so I kind of learned on my mission to lie. That explains so many stories you've been telling us. <laughs> you have to laugh at my joke. Ah. Well, then make it funnier. <laughs> when I came home from my mission, I continued this. All right, practice. I'll make it funnier. That explains your grinder profile. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good job. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel and I'm the oldest. I'm James and I'm the sweetest. I'm Andrew and I'm the saltiest. We're, We're brothers. brothers. And this is Mormon Raised, a sibling podcast. Today's episode is called Bishop Confessions, because we're going to confess all about our former bishops. To start, let's talk about what is a bishop. So a bishop is the unpaid leader of a ward, which is a local congregation. So their duties are similar to that of like a pastor, a rabbi, priest, whoever is in charge of the converse, uh, the congregation. All of the people who are asked to be bishops, all of them have regular jobs. They might be, you know, a lawyer, a doctor. Or just your friend's dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're, they're amateurs. They're not professional. And they serve for a period of about five to seven years. I think bishops are set up for failure. They are put in positions where they have to act as a counselor, a therapist, a judge, without really any tools or trainings to do so. But that doesn't mean that their actions don't have a big impact on us. I mean, I'm still unpacking a lot of baggage for, you know, from my interactions with these men. So in this podcast, we're using fake names to refer to our former bishops, not just to hide the identity, but because we're talking about them it, like as authority figures. All right, so we're going to talk about bishops like their characters in our story. Um, in fact, to make this narrative flow a little bit better, we've combined some details. So we're really talking about like archetypal bishops. So let's introduce the characters. First up is Bishop Blah Blah. This type of bishop gives the most boring sacrament meeting talks. You tune them out so quickly and they just sound like... Blah, 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 blah. Interesting you meant to mention the sacrament talks, because most of my memories of bishops are either in the interviews or like lecturing us in priesthood. The bishop's interview is supposed to determine whether or not you're worthy to participate in church. After the interview, you get a recommend, which is a little slip of paper that you show in order to get into certain places where things take place. It literally has a barcode on it. It's, you know, with your membership record. So if you want to get inside a temple, if you're going to, um, you know, participate in an ordinance like baptism, you need to recommend. My first interview was definitely with a bishop blah blah when I was seven years old uh, in order to prepare for my baptism. Which is typical. If you're born in the church, you're baptized when you're eight, which means you need a baptismal interview when you're seven. I remember just being terrified that I wasn't going to pass my interview and that I they wouldn't allow me to get baptized. What could you have possibly done at seven-year-old that made you terrified? All right, so I remember going over to the bishop's house to hang out. They had a son, who, you know, roughly our age, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I, I definitely remember that it was naughty 
and we got caught and we got in trouble. And the bishop's wife came out and yelled at us. And I felt shame, so much shame. I was terrified that the bishop, like, obviously he knew what happened. I thought I was going to fail the interview and not get baptized at seven years old. It was very scary. For me, you know, I had something similar. For me, the Bishop Blaba was when I was 12 years old, maybe 13, and I'm called to a leadership position. I'm in charge of all the 12-year-olds. 12-year-old boys. 12-year-old boys. Yeah, just boys. Because of it, you had to have interviews like basically once a month with the bishop, making sure you were worthy of it. Are you sure? That sounds excessive. Yeah. That I sounds don't remember very having them once a month. Maybe he was just really worried about you. Well, Andrew, you were never the president of the quorum. I was, I think. <laughs> uh, no, I was. There was only three of us. And so... You took turns. Yeah, we had to take turns. <laughs> These interviews are happening at such a young age. We have people getting um, interviews when they're seven, when they're 12. This is so normal to us as Mormons. But just think about a seven-year-old or a 12-year-old that's meeting with a adult male. It, it is kind of jarring. The way that the bishop's interview works is... The bishop has an office in the church with no windows. A soundproof door. It's like no light gets through, no sound gets through. You sit down in this chair at a desk, and the bishop is on the other side of the desk, and he asks you questions about, are you living the law of health? No drinking. Are you living the law of chastity? No masturbation. I distinctly remember the bishop when I was seven, clarifying that that meant you couldn't touch yourself or anybody else. Makes going to the bathroom really hard. That's why Daniel peed all over the bathroom floor when he was younger. That is not true. When did you have to confess something? Or the earliest, I should say. My first confession was 14. What did you confess about? I got caught with pornography on the family computer. My dad discovered it. And he was surprised because uh, there weren't any ladies in it. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. I got called into the bishop's office basically. It's like going to the principal because I said I was sorry and I was like I'm good I like I I didn't mean it. I'm gonna repent. I'm gonna change. It's not it's just a phase blah 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 blah. Mm. And he asked me a million questions. So normally in like a regular interview, there's like eight to 10 questions and they're very prescribed. But when you confess, there's a lot of questions. So he wanted details. How often? How long? Did you masturbate? Did you climax? What were you thinking about? Did you pray afterwards for forgiveness. So having him ask me these questions was very uncomfortable. And I'm not sure who was more uncomfortable, me or him. I'm pretty sure you were called into the bishops one time when it was my birthday. It was my birthday and mom and dad were running you over to the church, even though it was like a Wednesday night. And I was like, wait, it's my birthday. And you stole my birthday happiness. And I was very upset. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes, because I was having so much fun getting grilled about <laughs> whether or not I'd masturbated. There was no celebrating that day. It was all, everyone was so sad for you. Everyone kind of knew that I was being interviewed by the bishop because 
for, I believe it was four months, I had to meet with the bishop every week. I was disfellowshipped, which means you're not allowed to pray in church. You're not allowed to participate in the sacrament, which is like a communion. So really it's public shaming because it's enough of a punishment that everybody knows what you, that you're being punished. Yeah, I remember there was this kid. He came over to ask me to pass the sacrament. And I was like, I can't do it. And he was like, why not? And I made up some stupid excuse. I was like, I'm wearing a blue shirt today. And then he was like, I know why you can't do it. And then he walked away so smugly. And I was like, so embarrassed. The blue shirt, it's always an indication of impurity. It is because you're supposed to wear white to participate. So um, that's what you do when you get punished is you wear blue so that you and then you say, oh, all my white shirts were dirty for four months in a row. (laughs) So the next character is Bishop Dick. He's probably the bishop that you'd imagine would be on Mormon boys. You know, the one you can't decide if you want to punch him in the face or fuck his brains out. Why not do both? Kinky. You could also call his character like Bishop Bro. You know, like... They've got muscles, they're blonde, they're wealthy. I thought all bishops had to be wealthy. Isn't that how you get picked? Whoever pays the most gets picked for bishop next. True, all bishops I've had are wealthy, and I do think that is a criteria. But this specific type of bishop that I've had, and I think we've all had, is the businessman wealthy who likes to show it. They're sporting $1,000 deal sleds on their feet, and they've got a Rolex on their wrist. You know, They're like businessy, and they're showing off their wealth a little bit. Every bishop picks two counselors that are like their assistants, the first counselor and the second counselor. And Bishop Dick picked as his counselors two very, and and one in particular, very muscular, young, 30-something attractive men. My aunt definitely convinced me that they were having an affair. She, She never told me that. Oh, yes. She was convinced. And I have to say, I believed it for a little while. I don't anymore. I, um, in high school, I would dream that he would be gay, and I really wished it. I don't think he is, but I, um, I see where Auntie would get it. I think the Bishop Dick archetype, this bishop is the kind that believes that success is an indication of your favor with God, and that even good looks is an indication of your favor with God, especially when speaking of women. Absolutely. Yes, I totally agree. Superficial success are very important to this guy, as well as a lot of Mormons, whether it be a little plastic surgery, exercising a lot. Essential oils. Spending a lot of time (laughs) on their looks. Whatever it is, they spend so much time on on their looks, and I think that's a huge thing in Mormonism, is to look perfect. I always wanted to be the bishop weirdo because they were good looking yeah because you know that would mean that i had been successful and also you have you really have to be a bishop if you're ever going to become prophet which is what i really wanted to grow up to be oh my god i can't with you (laughs) poor little boy see i had my sights higher i would never want to be bishop but stake president which is like in charge of multiple bishops seemed cool 
because they were never like at church. It felt like <laughs> they were just at other congregations. But you wanted to be stake president so that you wouldn't have to go to church. Well, just like you'd be in charge. You'd walk into a church and you're the like HBIC. You know, you'd be what <laughs> the head bitch in charge. Perfect. Love it. Okay, so James, you earlier teased that there was a time when you had to confess, and it was to Bishop Dick. It's for masturbation. So he asked me a ton of questions, the normal ones of like, well, the normal in quotation marks of like, how often and like, uh, did I, (laughs) and you know, like, did I, was I ejaculating and (laughs) all those normal questions, you know? And then there was a couple weird ones that seemed out of place, like, uh, he asked me how long I took in the showers. You may all remember a few episodes ago where we told a story about Bishop Dick and his son and how his son very tearfully told the story about how he kept a stopwatch in the shower so that he would make sure that he wasn't tempted to masturbate in the shower by limiting his showers to two minutes. So that's what he was getting at. But I had no idea at the time. I'm like, I don't know why... What is the shower? Because I, I mean, I wasn't masturbating in the kitchen, mind you, but I, I, I don't know. I wasn't masturbating in the shower at this time. <laughs> then after he told me about the shower, then I started masturbating in the shower. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have to ask. The bishop asked if you looked at pornography, right? Correct. Yeah. And what was your answer? I wasn't. Uh, no pornography? Not at, not at 15 or 16, whatever I was. Yeah. He tries to give me advice. So his advice is put a timer in the shower, only shower for two minutes. <laughs> I wonder where he got that idea. <laughs> and then, yeah, I was punished. So I wasn't disfellowshipped. I think disfellowship is, is, requires a year, but I got like a little mini one. It was like a month or two or something. I don't know where I wasn't allowed to take the sacrament and I wasn't allowed to pass a sacrament. It's called informal probation. Bishop blah, blah. Thank you for that. (laughs) Because Bishop blah, blah told me that he was debating whether or not I qualified for informal probation or formal disfellowshipment. Which now that I think about it, I don't think Bishop Dick's son got any. No, uh, no, he never. Because he was up there every week. Yeah. I mean, who knows? My memory could be wrong, but I'm just saying, I think he was a little harder on me than his own son. He was a lot harder on you. So I remember when you got dis or informal probation because I was so shocked because you were the perfect one. You thought I was gay too. (laughs) I can't believe he got informal probation when all he did was masturbate. That's shocking. And there were other times where I confessed to that and got nothing. I remember when this happened and I thought that you had done something much worse. I'm kind of upset, actually, with the amount of like shame that was heaped upon us for what is really normal and honestly healthy behavior. I just assumed that nobody else was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you assumed that nobody else at church was masturbating because they could per- they could pass the sacrament and you couldn't. Yeah, except for like the obvious sinners, you know, the ones who weren't passing. But yeah, right. The ones in their blue shirts like you, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of another thing that I, I think is important is that it's almost like Bishop Roulette. Because there are some bishops that look at a sin or look at a situation and say, that situation's horrible, that sin is horrible, we're going to give a huge punishment to you. And then another bishop may look at the same situation, the same sin, and be like, oh, that's no big deal, we're sweeping it under the rug. Totally arbitrary. The bishops are not trained, they're not 
professionals. There's no like standard that they are held to. It very much is a um, depends upon your bishop kind of answer. Bishops are not required to go to sexual education. Or even give the same punishment for masturbation. When I was at Brigham Young University, my roommates figured out that I was gay and they turned me in because I was, it was the end of the semester. They assumed that I was going home for the semester. And so they contacted my home bishop, which was Bishop Dick. And Bishop Dick decided that I was going to get kicked out of BYU. And so he tried to withdraw my endorsement uh, at BYU. And the only reason he wasn't able to was because I didn't go home for the summer. I moved into a different apartment and I got a different bishop. And like you said, it's arbitrary. I got a bishop who was okay with it as long as I met with him. Like he, he, he made an arrangement with me. So do you remember his name? No, of course not. <laughs> Which brings us to our next type of bishop. This character is my favorite type of bishop. It's Bishop, what's his name? <laughs> that bishop you don't know. And who doesn't know you? <laughs> and that's the best part about it. <laughs> yes. This is your college bishop. <laughs> or for me, you know, when I was interning, my bishop in the city I was interning in, you know. You're usually there for a short period of time and you're able to kind of blend into the background. So that's kind of the best, the best place to be. You know, in our home wards, there was kind of a high expectation. We were high performing Mormons, if you will, very devout. But when you go, when you're in part of a small ward, they don't know you. And so they're not going to like the first time you meet with them and you confess something, they're not going to like crack down on you because they don't want you to leave. That's interesting. I never thought about that part. You know, early on, I did want my bishops to know who I was because I wanted them to ask me to be the speaker at church on Sunday. I loved giving the Sunday talk. We know you love to hear your own voice. It's nothing new. (laughs) But yeah, when I was starting to um, have my doubts about the church, I definitely wanted to be unknown. And when it came time to being kicked out, (laughs) I needed a bishop what's his name. When I was younger, I would always tell the truth in bishop interviews. The only thing I confessed about was pornography and masturbation sins. Wait, Andrew, does that mean you were also put on informal probation? Yeah. You didn't you couldn't take the sacrament or whatever? I think for like a week or two, yeah. No, 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 no. It's like at least 3 or 4 months. No, it's never been 4 months, I don't think. Yeah, then it was not it was not informal probation. That was just like one step down. That's so typical, like, third child. <laughs> you got away with murder, Andrew. What can I say? Why didn't you just lie in interviews? I don't think I questioned the system. Starting when I was seven, the bishop's wife knew what I had done. And so, you know, the bishop was just part of the community. And I, I didn't think I could get away with lying. <laughs> exactly. Like, the system starts when you're seven years old. You just grow up with it. So it's very, like, at what point do you start disbelieving or wanting to to lie i also thought like i wanted to be forgiven and so in order for me to be forgiven you have to tell the bishop yeah there's a lot of shame i mean i remember a lot of talk from the bishop about how it's important to confess and it was always like you were you were representing christ so in when you're passing the sacrament or making the sacrament which is just tearing up little pieces of bread and putting them on trays 
you were those hands were Christ's hands. So imagine the shame of if you masturbated the night before and then performed sacrament as if you had like jizzed into the sacrament <laughs> bread. <laughs> like like that's how bad it was, you know. I'm not sure about your hands, James, anymore. I I don't want anything prepared by you. Don't want to shake your hands. It's unclean. Also, I was pretty convinced that the bishop could read my mind. Mm, that's a real thing, actually, a real legend. You know, that's another thing. So I had a teacher who was the bishop's wife and the bishop's wife told us, she's like, the bishop can, can tell when you've done something wrong and the bishop can tell when you're lying about it. The bishop might not call you on it because he wants you to confess for your own benefit. But from what my husband tells me, he always knows the spirit tells him. Creepy. They call it the spirit of discernment. On my mission, I started figuring out that bishops were just ordinary people and sometimes very stupid men. And so... Oh, yeah, definitely. I kind of stopped respecting them. And it started mainly because of my mission president. I really didn't like him. I didn't respect him. And you have interviews with your mission president, much like a bishop. And so that's kind of when I started to lie because I just wanted to get through that interview process as fast as possible, as quickly as possible. And it felt way better to lie than telling the truth. I mean, did you feel guilty or like stress? Both lying and telling the truth in an interview, I think, are stressful and filled with anxiety um, and make me feel anxious. But I still, at the end of the day, liked lying better. I got it over quickly and at the it just had way better consequences. So I kind of learned on my mission to lie. That explains your grinder profile. okay good job when i came home from my mission i continued to lie in interviews even throughout my entire experience at byu i pretty much regularly lied the last big interview that i had was to get my temple recommend to go to james's wedding so you need a recommend in order to get into the temple to go to the wedding and I really wanted to see James get married, and that would only be possible if I went in an interview, lied, answered all the questions correctly. I was so mad at you when you did that, because I wasn't allowed to go to James's wedding because I was out of the closet to the point where I couldn't lie anymore. And so I had to wait outside in this like waiting area and you went in, and I knew that you were lying. You whore. <laughs> <laughs> I was so pissed. I uh, <laughs> waved at you from the window. I knew that I wanted to go to James, and I wasn't at the point of no return. <laughs> you didn't just go to James's wedding. You also went to number four's wedding. And for both of them... You were lying, and I knew it, and I had to wait outside the temple. Well, number four's wedding was way earlier. So number yeah, four before got, mine. Yeah, way before James's. So her was, like, not that bad. When I was going to James's wedding, I'd had sex with men. I had been drinking. I had been doing a lot of different things that you weren't allowed to do. But when it came to that bishop interview... <laughs> Nope, nope, yes, 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 nope, done. Because <laughs> I really wanted to go to the wedding, and it was yeah, worth I wanted to go to the wedding. You didn't even like the temple. I liked the temple. 
but I like James. I love James, and Thanks, I want to be a part of that. Story. I love James too. I like. I really was upset. Like I, it was really hurtful that I wasn't allowed to go to my siblings' weddings. But that's that's a tale for another time. It was upsetting. We'll re- we'll redo the vows sometime. <laughs> and we'll get a satanic minister. <laughs> <laughs> Before God, angels, demons, and all these other heathens here, and my brother Daniel. (laughs) One of the worst things about Bishop's interviews is how I'm still triggered sometimes with anxiety and stress whenever there's a one-on-one talk. Yeah, especially for my boss. So anytime like my boss says, come into my office, I'm like immediately taken back and I'm like, what did I do wrong? Is he going to ask me how long my showers are? I have to remind myself internally, like, oh, they don't care about my sex life. They don't care about if I've been drinking. But it just, like, takes me a second to breathe through it. Five years I haven't had a bishop interview, and I still feel it. I haven't had a bishop's interview in a decade, and I still feel the anxiety. Like, I'm running through my head the whole time is like, okay, I'm going to tell the truth, but I need to make sure that I'm answering the questions correctly so that he know, you know, and he can read my mind. And, um, oh, he might, you know, I, I need to tell him about my performance, but I have to make sure that it's portrayed in this way. And we'll, and it's just like a million thoughts in my head. Samesies. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, de- I definitely feel the same way. You know, it's uh, uh, especially when they ask me to like sit <laughs> because that's what the bishop always did. So if the, if ever he's like, yeah, come in and sit down <laughs> for whatever do that <laughs> sit down is the trigger. If you just <laughs> if I can stand, I'm fine. <laughs> I think to get over all of this, this performance review interview anxiety, I think we need to turn the tables. So let's play a game where we fig- like where we talk about what questions we want to ask the bishop. If we get to interview our former bishops, what are we going to ask them? Okay, I'll start. Did you shower today? <laughs> how long? <laughs> and also how long was the shower? <laughs> Can I get my tithing money back? I don't want you to have it anymore. I'm pretty sure the first bishop that I confess to having same gender attractions to, he has a son who is also gay. I want to ask about that. Ask if he has a son that's gay or or ask how he feels about it and how he's mean to him. No, I already know that he has a son who's gay. I want to ask I I want to ask if he knew at the time that he was interviewing me and why that didn't change his tone with me was it because he thought that he was actually like talking to his son kind of thing like what he wish he could tell his son yeah was he projecting well it sounds like that happened to james too where the bishop was projecting his son's problem onto james yeah actually and i had to take the punishment for him and maybe the same thing was happening to you i would want to ask him did they enjoy talking to little children about their sexuality and I would invite a, a, pl- a police officer with me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like that I'm one. going to, <laughs> I like that question, but I do want to specify, I think most bishops would say no. They did not enjoy Hopefully. it. Hopefully. They hated it. <laughs> I'm just saying it would be on my interview list for bishops. <laughs> I would want to ask the bishop, do you ever feel like an imposter? Because I imagine they do. 
Because supposedly God's supposed to give them revelation. Yeah, they're supposed to read our minds and know what we're going to say in the interview before we say it. But obviously they don't. (laughs) Yeah, like if I were a bishop, that would make me want to leave the church realizing, oh, how am I supposed to help this person in need? Or how am I supposed to punish this person? without any real guidance from God. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, sometimes I swear I can control the dice when playing Settlers of Catan. Like, I'll be like, I need a six, I need a six, I need a six, it's a six, I called it. And then the next round, I'll be like, I need a four, I need a four, I need a four, I called it. But like, it's just because you remember all the times you got it right. You don't remember any times you got it wrong. That's true. Confirmation bias. I always thought you were going to be a bishop, James. And I thought you were going to be a good bishop, like one of the ones who wouldn't punish teenagers for masturbating. Well, I hope I would be the one that didn't even ask them about masturbating. (laughs) (laughs) One bishop told me masturbation is just like having sex with yourself. So are you really a virgin if you masturbate? Oh, wow. (laughs) Look cupcake all over again. Actually, I think it's more flipped that if you're masturbating, you must really be a virgin. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, you've had some good questions. Let's close this out the way we know how. In In the the name name of Long Showers, showers, amen. amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our wacky and totally not embarrassing stories. Be sure to tell all your friends. Follow us on Instagram at... Mormon Rays podcast and don't forget to subscribe the music in this episode is Anthem for the Good Life by Young Presidents courtesy Shutterstock Inc.